0: Of the dinosaur skirts.
1: We control their chromosomes.
0: It's really not that difficult. Yeah. All vertebrate embryos are inherently female anyway. They just require an extra hormone given at the right developmental stage to make them male. We simply deny them that.
1: John, the kind of control you're attempting is, uh, it's not possible. Listen, if there's one thing the history of evolution has taught us, it's that life will not be contained. Life breaks free,
0: it expands to new territories, and it crashes through barriers painfully, maybe even dangerously, but... Oh, there it is. You're implying that a group composed entirely of female animals will breed? No, I'm, I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. The only
1: thing we have to fear
0: is fear itself. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. There's nothing to fear, except God. Whatever that means to you. Do I look like someone
1: who cares what God thinks? Because You're listening to The Fear of God, a podcast exploring the intersection between Christianity and the horror genre. Welcome oh. to Universal Studios Hollywood. Well pause for that thing. Halloween Horror Nights. As you make your way into the event tonight, we would like to offer a few, and a few tips Well ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Fear of God. And uh this, this is a special <laughs> episode. This me. is a very special episode. What um, is all that sound? In I the know, background. the, the ambient ambient noise. Uh, we are actually right now on the Universal Studios theme park. Uh, what? For Halloween Horror Nights. And, uh, and then, you know, last year, uh, I went with... Someone else? Show. Yeah, well, friend of the show, Jason Eakin. Uh, shout out to him. But he's recently had a baby. Congrats to him. And so... Uh, but this but this year uh, I'm 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 with a celebrity. <laughs> no, no, no. We, um, But uh, yeah, so I'm here with none other than my my faithful regular co-host. Nice. Nathan Rouse, whose shirt did you see? What did you uh, see? He had a Beetlejuice shirt on.
0: Oh, beautiful. Um, so Nathan. Reed. Is this your first time at one of these things? Uh, it is, in fact, my first time. at. Definitively Halloween Horror Nights for sure. Um, Well, you're in for a treat. Well, I knew. What kind of one? (laughs) I'm not quite sure. Um, I knew the moment might come when this might happen. (laughs) You know, uh, that my I I just turned 38, and I will probably lose years off my life tonight. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know. What are you going to do? Maybe all of them. I, really, mean, uh, far- I mean, just to be frank, it's for you, man. <laughs> it's all for you.
1: So, uh, so, yeah, we have a number of different... I need to take a look at what attractions are here this year. So, we have... All right, so this year they have... Saw, They've got the Shining. They've got Ash
0: versus Evil Dead. They got Jabberwockies. They got Jabberwockies. That's, like, that's like top of your list. Listen, that's why you can't.
1: I know that there are some dance fans out there. I'm horror not, dance fans, apparently. No, I'm not one of them. Uh, oh, they have the Insidious maze. The Insidious maze, I hear, is insane. They've got the Horrors of Bloomhouse, which is like Happy Death Day, Purge, right, Sinister. Right. They've got American Horror Story. <clears throat> uh, I don't know if I already mentioned
0: it, Ash vs. Evil Dead. Of course. Uh, so I don't know where this will make it into things, but I just, I want you to know, Reed, that our friendship of 20 years is about to reach a new level. <laughs> the, sheer, the sheer volume to which I will bear hug you and hold you <laughs> and insist that you hold me. Um, right, you know, right. it, it will be. Um, so yes, we are, we are recording on site um, at Universal Studios. Yeah, yeah. And I, I want to warn the audience, listeners, uh, this will be a highly censored episode. <laughs> it and the accompanying one. So do you want to go into Yeah, what yeah,
1: we're doing? yeah, let's do it. So, so so here's what we thought might be kind of fun is we are doing we are in the middle of hashtag I love the nineties and we thought it what might be a better way to celebrate. I know. We thought it might be kinda of fun if we revealed uh, and and sort of spent these next couple of conversations uh on site here and 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 doing this uh so you get to hear the conversation that you normally would hear and enjoy from us but also uh there'll be some added we'll call it color on the uh perimeter as it were and so so we're gonna we we're gonna officially be talking about the next two installments of hashtag I Love the 90s while we're here at Horror Nights so Nathan I'm, I'm very excited I hope you're excited
0: I, I mean excitement is a word like, uh, <laughs> it's uh, something for it high levels of anxiety Sure. You know, um, first ever impulse to wear Depends Undergarments. Yes, you know. absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I've got course. mine. You didn't bring yeah. yours. No. Sure. Oh, the double back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we did bring change of clothes uh, for just such a just yeah. such an emergency. <laughs> so, I think this is an appropriate place and time given our our general. Uh, getting our general awareness to let you know that this week's full conversation is gonna be about none other than Jurassic Park. Uh, A big surprise for me that we actually,
0: you know, this was in the top 10. I wasn't quite expecting that. When you initially told me, yeah, Jurassic Park's gonna be one of the top 10, I was very surprised.
1: So as we've been doing, we're going to start things off by revealing your number 30 through 21.
0: 30 through 21. That's, of your... We've already done 50 through 31. 31. That's exactly right. Previous. <laughs> Hashtag. I, this is a very out of the box episode for us guys, so... No kidding. You know. So yes, 30 through 21, um, your listener voted uh, top 100 movies, top 104 movies of the 90s. Uh, number 30 was... Hocus Pocus featuring of course uh, <laughs> Ben Midler is directed by Kenny Ortega I've seen this movie I think you know I don't remember much about it oh uh, it's, it's a, fun it's, yeah, it's really I mean, funny yeah it's, it's
1: kind of more of a comedy than it is anything sort of sure horror, right right, right. Yeah. Um, but it is. It's, it's loads of fun. It's a perennial favorite. Um, I enjoy it, and I watched it just earlier or last year for Halloween. I watched it. I think it aged really well. Really? I think, yeah, I think it did. I think it did great. Um, and listeners loved it. Yeah, number, I, 30. number thirty. That's, yeah, that's number 30. actually pretty impressive. So number twenty-nine is the remake of Cape Fear. Come out, come out wherever you are. That's right. Directed by Martin Scorsese, starring I forgot Robert De Niro. about him. Yeah starring Robert De Niro and Nick Nolte, Jessica Lange, Juliette Lewis, Yeah. it? Uh, you have seen that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah,
0: and yeah. And not much touchstone about it. Well, I mean, I remember it, and I remember he's freaky as crap. Sure, yeah, yeah, of course. Because um, Robert Mitchum was the original, right? Right,
1: Robert Mitchum was the original one, and uh, Gregory Peck was the original Nick he's Nolte. Both of them make cameo appearances in Scorsese's right, version, but just small roles. Yeah. Um, But uh, but yeah, that that's a a really strong film. I I have a lot of affection for it. But I I prefer the original. Nothing against Martin Scorsese, but uh, the remake has a lot of merit. It's got a a distinctive uh, flavor to it. Scorsese is obviously one of the greatest living directors. It's really great. Number twenty eight
0: is Blade with Wesley Snipes, the first one. Yeah, Yeah, the very first one. You know, for some strange reason, I just haven't seen the Blade movies. Uh, Really? Yeah, I know, I know. That
1: actually does surprise me.
0: I know, it's one of those that I just sort of missed it at the time it was out and never went back to pick it up. Sure, sure. It was directed by Steve Norrington.
1: This was actually, this was one where I was really surprised that listeners logged onto it the way that they did for like favorite horror films. Right. I think this one's a little bit of a like it is technically horror. He's fighting vampires, right. but um, I was I was just surprised to see it so high in the list. I think this is an example of genre bending. You know, um, listeners should probably take note of the fact that uh, after like the next film or so, you and I are about to.
0: Going to a horror going base. Going to horror base. Right, right. right. Um, so, so, yeah. So, there's, so there's that. These are going to get a little crazy. <laughs> They're
1: gonna a little cra- we're not going to continue to count down right, the list. But the next one, uh, directed by Peter Jackson. Yep. Um, and starring Michael J. Fox, who I have I so much affection this. and love for, is The Frighteners.
0: I thought you were going to say Team Wolf.
1: It's not Teen Wolf, that's Obviously, from the right. 80s, I know, right. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but, but I love The Frighteners. Yeah, I'm so happy good. to see it's it make good. this good. list because it's so, so, so strong, um, and uh, and it's really, it's really a favorite, a favorite of mine uh, for a number of reasons. I'm really getting kind of nervous because we're about to go into the insidious maze. <laughs>
0: and heard, if we keep talking, it'll distract us, That's and right. we won't You have to concentrate. <laughs> maybe we keep counting down the list, <laughs> right, right, maybe, right. maybe that's the way
1: to go for this thing. I'm not sure, I'm not quite sure, oh, yeah, so we are, we are, we're about to walk into the insidious, oh, god,
0: (laughs) we will be back, shortly, we'll be back, oh,
1: you're like hugging me, (laughs) Uh, yeah, I told you, you should not come as a surprise, <laughs> wow, nothing's even happening yet. <laughs> <Look at
0: that. laughs> oh my god! How <laughs> did I let you talk me into <laughs> know. Oh, that's my hat. Where did it go?
1: Okay, that's a little much. That's a little much. Oh, God. Oh, God! oh, God! Oh, these things! What is that from? I don't know. I don't know. It's from Insidious. I don't know. It's been a long time since I saw that stupid movie. Oh, my God. She's real! No, 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 no! Talking about the Fighters! Oh, wow! Oh, no! Oh, God. <laughs> oh my god, why is this so long? <laughs> oh
0: man. <No. laughs> oh my god. Don't drive me into the person in front of me. <laughs> okay. I don't feel Oh my god! No <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: Oh, geez. <laughs> my favorite part was my hat comes flying off my head I'm like wait where is it where is it oh Woo, uh, that was not 30 minutes just there no Woo! but what would you oh think oh my god
0: that's not cool at all you're gonna
1: have a lot more of that so, today
0: oh. so We just came out of our very first maze thing and I think I left a bit of a surprise in there for, for the other guests Woo! oh lord oh my gosh oh so we were saying oh my gosh that was great oh man I'm already sweating my butt off yeah me too you know why there's a big that. hairy guy
1: hugging me very tightly through
0: the last maze that's yeah. why so listeners Reed and I have been friends for almost 20 years and just the last 10 minutes are about as close as we've ever gotten when, I think so. When I held you for the entire and that just so you know, that that wasn't the only time tonight that will happen. Like, no, I'm uh, sure. I'm sure. Everything we go through. Is uh, it
1: is it considered spooning if it's walking? <laughs> 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 I just, just think because I think that's probably what just happened. Oh, oh man.
0: Oh. So uh so yeah, that was the that was the insidious maze. Oh. Um, well what's almost worse about it is if you don't know the property. Like oh, that. sure. Like yeah, I yeah. haven't seen the Insidious movie So, I don't know what those things are. So, psychologically, I, I don't know how to deal with it. You know? <laughs> yeah, they looked at least they looked phenomenal. Like, at least some, some familiar scary faces. It will still probably freak me out. But I literally Woo! didn't know what I was getting into there. Oh, boy, did we oh, not. Woo! Um, oh, jeez.
1: So, uh, we had mentioned... Oh. Number
0: 27. <laughs> oh, number we're tw- doing this now? Oh yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so number 27 was The Frighteners. Um, which indeed was what we just experienced. We
0: just experienced the Frighteners. Jeez, I am dripping. Sweat. No kidding. Um, okay, so Okay. So next up on the list is uh, 92's Buffy the Vampire Slayer, um, directed by Fran Rubel Kazooie. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure, sure that, I got that right I'm sure that's probably right um, yes. uh, That's a fun movie You know I actually have never seen Any of the TV series Really? Uh, really Oh um, the TV series Is pretty fun Yeah, yeah It's I've pretty heard
1: good i um, and, and this movie is, is fun It's good yeah, um, yeah. It's got Luke Perry in it so, yeah, you know. the, It does And Donald Sutherland He's great That's right, that's um, right. But, uh, but Christy Swanson Yeah You know what It's funny My wife was kind of Campaigning like Top ten Top ten oh, <laughs> For yeah. Buffy the Vampire Slayer um, Not there <laughs> But uh, but yeah, but number twenty six. I mean, almost cracked the top twenty five. That's yeah, a very yeah. popular. That's a very popular film. Um, so number twenty five on the list is directed by David Fincher, who uh, we spent time talking about with Zodiac. Directed by David Fincher, it's Alien Three. That's
0: the Penal Colony one.
1: That is. That is exactly what that is. Um, and oh, uh, man. so here we're going to do The Shining because it's ten minutes. I know. Are you so, ready? Uh, are, are you okay? Uh, whatever. <laughs> I mean. So I'll just, so yeah, I mean, Alien 3 has its critics. It's sure. got its detractors. How recently have you seen it? Years. Cause it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's okay. It's got, it's kind of got its merits, but I don't think it's great. And I, and there's a lot of talk about like studio involvement problems and right, everything like right. that. I think it's pretty telling that his next film was seven Uh so you know clearly alien 3 perhaps could have been something much better right but uh we'll just have to have to wait and see but at the moment we are uh, we're approaching the biggest attraction of this year, which is Stanley Kubrick's, aka Stephen King's, *The Shining*. Oh my, oh my God, this is the one I'm most excited about out of all the ones here. I'm most excited for *The Shining*. Um, okay, so why don't we say
0: what number uh, 24 is? Number 24 is. <laughs> number 24 is *The Crow*. What was number 23, Reed? <laughs>
1: let's,
0: let's get through it. <laughs> I may not survive. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen The Crow? <clears throat> I have. Years and time years there. ago. High school.
1: Alex Proyas, the director, um, <clears throat> and of course, unfortunately, is most known for the film on which Brandon Lee died. Right, right. Um, now, it's been years <clears throat> since I've seen it, so I don't have a huge touch tone for its quality, its holdup. up. I remember enjoying it at the time. Like, I remember liking it. Yeah. I don't know if it would be... Twenty right. twenty-four out of fifty, right. great. But skirting right along, number twenty-three is great. I love it. Is, I, I need to
0: watch it again. I oh, watch it again. I love it.
1: I love it. Number twenty-three, directed by Wes Craven, Scream Two. Uh-huh. Obviously, the first one uh, is iconic. Sure, I love the first one. Uh, the second one, though, is it's not as good as the first one, but it's kind <coughs> of on par. You all right? <laughs> okay. Uh, it's it's kind of on par. Um, and, and I think it's, it's deserving of its place <coughs> here. I really, you, you should revisit it. Maybe if you're, maybe if you're feeling yeah, up for it. With, I mean, yeah, I'd be tempted to. Yeah, because it, it's really fun, and it's really good. Um, so yeah, I'm, re- I'm really happy that number 23, that it landed at number 23 here. I think it well deserves its place. Um, Scream 3 is uh, garbage. I
0: do not care for Scream <coughs> yeah, 3 yeah. almost at all. Um, but what's number 22? Uh, 22 would be Arachnophobia from 1990, directed by Frank Marshall. Great movie. I mean, uh, you know, I hate
1: spiders, so there's that, but. Uh, it, is,
0: it is a fun movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. And, and it's one that I was always reluctant to watch because I have Arachnophobia. <clears throat> right, right. So I was always. I was just cleaning up my house, like the other day, and I was uh-huh. cleaning up, like, a shelf up near the top. And as I'm wiping down the shelf, all of a sudden, like, a big one uh. comes, like, out of the corner. Uh, yeah, that wasn't fun that wasn't that was not a blast John Goodman though and I forgot um, he was in it. and a bunch of spiders um, so rounding out before we get to the to the front of the shining maze <laughs> okay. is uh, is number 21 Jacob's Ladder Right. Uh, not it's good it's yep. really good um, it's not a an absolute favorite of mine but it is very good directed by Adrian Land, starring Tim Robbins Elizabeth Pena uh, Danny Aiello's in it. Um, it's really good. It, I don't want to say too much about it because it's a film best experienced. It's 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 atmospheric. It's very of the 90s. I think it was like 91, 92, somewhere early in there. Very, very strong. Very good. Listeners, that was your number 30, 321.
0: Yeah. hashtag I love the 90s. <laughs> My spirit is a bit unmoored right now, so a bit <laughs> precise numbers are going to elude me. That's exactly right, but we're, but we're uh, a bit distracted because we are had to uh, to go into the shining. Well, and I'm trying to think through. I mean, I know the iconic imagery from The Shining, but like what we just experienced with Insidious, I don't know what's going to jump out of me. Okay, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I can't.
1: I'm trying I would imagine a guy with an axe at some point. <clears throat> yeah, here's Johnny,
0: kind of thing. Right, I do love that it is the, the entryway to The Shining is um, God, I can't even think straight right now <laughs> Hedge uh, maze hedge, uh, like, yeah, like a hedge maze is, is a pretty iconic imagery from it's Definitely probably getting, from the book. Yeah, it's probably gonna be pretty cold in here, which I'm excited about
1: because I'm very warm. Because yeah, I was. Well, you're gonna be warmer in just a I'm second. <laughs> and I cuddle up real close. <laughs> oh boy. This, this is the second of seven bases. Seven.
0: Seven, okay. seven bases. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <Lord, help> <laughs> This is a test of friendship. <laughs> <laughs> Before it's all over, I will be carrying you through these races. I'm running, <laughs> mean, huh? running over people just to get out. Just to say we did
1: it. Just to be like a Looney Tunes. You're trampling on top of heads to try to get into the thing. Oh, it's so great. It's so great. <sighs>
0: This is the one I was most anticipating. This is the big deal. Well, what I noticed in the last one is what you don't want to be is in the front. Oh, yeah. Because you could observe a few ahead of you to know what's going to jump out at you. Yeah, sure. And time it. Oh, Lord. Oh, yeah.
1: Here we go. Let's
0: get in there. Oh.
1: Winter is coming. Winter's here. Winter's coming.
0: Oh, boy. All right, everybody. Stephen King's The Shining. Man. It's gonna be quarterly king number
1: three right here. No! <laughs> what is it? Oh my
0: gosh. Red Rum, the door.
1: Oh my gosh. Oh man, all those pictures. All the Overlook Hotel stuff. Okay, something's there. Oh gosh, I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. Don't want it. Oh! No work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Freeze! <laughs> Don't let Go! <laughs> You're holding me. <laughs> Here <laughs> I go! <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: Okay. Oh, I'm fine. Okay. I'm fine. <laughs> what listeners don't know is I'm basically using Reed as a prop. A human the shield? Right. <laughs> Resisting the urge to throw you into danger.
1: And if you've never seen the two of us together, I'm, oh. what, 5'7"? Right. Weigh 130 pounds. Oh. You're uh, oh. taller. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. All right. Uh. Listeners, we'll see you later. Your top 30 to 21, right? now gonna have an extended conversation about another inclusion from your top 10, and this one really surprised me, uh, but surprised me in a delightful way. Yeah, sure. So the, fir- the first thing I wanna say out the gate, so obviously we're talking today about uh, 1993's Steven Spielberg directed Jurassic Park, uh, a top 10 entry for hashtag I love the 90's, favorite horror films, and that's the first thing I wanna talk about, is I think there are many who would say like... Would you, before this survey, would you have
0: thought of this in that category?
1: I would have probably primarily put it as an adventure. Sure. The reason I... Well, number one, it got nominated. And so I didn't... Well, right, disqual- right, 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 but, Just no, but what Just for you personally. No, yeah, for me personally, I always would have thought of it as adventure, maybe not horror. Right. Suspense. Adventure suspense. But it got nominated as a horror film. Uh-huh. And as I was thinking about it, I was like, you know what? It is essentially fundamentally a creature feature. Sure. Now, yes, there's adventure elements to it, but um, it has all of the earmarks of a standard creature feature. The creatures right, right. just have to be happen to be dinosaurs. So, as a creature feature,
0: yeah, I think it totally fits in this horror genre. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because in doing there's more trivial bit i could expound upon on this but the nuts and bolts of it was uh a quote that i discovered of spielberg's in relation to the film itself is it was effectively he wanted to make a sequel to jaws just on land so from that standpoint you know it does kind of fit in that column
1: sure sure well and universal had acquired the rights to the book before the book was even published so they had acquired it about a year before the book was published now
0: you haven't read the book right I might have, but it's, if I did, it was years ago. The
1: book is outstanding. But I saw the movie first. The book is absolutely outstanding. A couple of a couple of differences in the book. A couple of poor things. Obviously, there's more scenes with the dinosaurs right. in, the, in the book. Um, also, some of the some of the deaths are flipped. I was gonna. Say, well, and also I think it's more violent. It is wow. more violent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some of the characters are flipped in terms of their fates. What's sure. interesting about it, um, Ian Malcolm in the book. The book leaves you with the impression that he has not survived, but even in Michael Crichton's follow-up book, Lost World, right. Ian Malcolm is in that book, so so he has technically survived, but Jurassic Park, the book taken on its own, leaves you with the impression huh. that Malcolm has not, has not made it. Sure. Um, he sustained injuries, uh, they pump him full of morphine, all this other sort of stuff, but you get the impression that they don't think he's going to survive. He ultimately does, even in the books, and of course we know he does in the, in the films. Um, and then the other thing is that they Lexi and Tim
0: right, it's flip flop. They flipped them. Yeah. Yep. And then, well, interestingly, you may have been about to say this. The primary reason for that is that I, I don't have the actor's name in front of me who plays Tim had auditioned for Hook, but oh. Spielberg at that time I think maybe he was too young or something, but liked him so much that he that to was cast the impetus him. for reversing the. That's really gender, cool. That's really um, cool. Because they wanted to cast him in Jurassic Park.
1: And I kind of like the idea of, of Lex being a, ner- uh, sure. a nerd girl, yeah. Yeah. like hacker girl, that's that's
0: against type. Really and small. the other, I'm sorry to cut you off there, but the same on that thread was they liked the notion of, as in, in developing Alan Grant's art for the film, of her teenager having gotten that kind of crush on right. him. Oh, so right, kinda, right, right. That's, that's where they kind of ran with. Absolutely. Um, so the, the other thing,
1: just in terms of fates, um, Hammond does not survive the book. Interesting. Uh, he suffers a fate that a different character in the movie, Jurassic Park 2, um, suffers and that's he's, he's eaten by all the compies, the little tiny mm, right. little tiny green
0: monsters. The Comp Sog- Comp Oh yes, the, the there you go. Technical term. Somebody somebody's been doing the research. <laughs> somebody's a nerd. Um, oh no, that's not from research. That's from back <laughs> <in> the day. <laughs>
1: that's awesome. Um, and then uh, Muldoon, if I remember correctly, survives mm. the book, uh, which you know, of course, does not the the film. Clever um, girl. That's right. So, um, one, one final sort of trivial bit. Crichton uh, is an interesting, an interesting writer because Crichton, obviously, he was a medical doctor, got into uh, writing. I've read most of his material. I haven't read everything, but uh, I've read most of his books. I really love him as a writer. My favorite of his books? Is the novel sphere the movie is not as good, nearly as good, but the novel sphere is fantastic. Hmm. Um, and then uh, the the other kind of uh, interesting thing to me is he, even as a, a medical doctor, a former medical doctor, and uh, very invested in scientific research, he was very suspicious of what he what is referred to as scientism which is just basically like science and biogenetic engineering is like the answer to all of our problems. Uh-huh. He was very skeptical and suspicious of that notion um, to the degree that like he frequently spoke out against genetic manipulation of plants, animals, and certainly the idea notion of genetically engineering people and stuff like that. Like he, he would frequently write papers and infuse in his novels, you know, speaking against that potential trend and of monetizing biogenetic engineering. You know, uh, so that's something that was, you know, of of tremendous import to him. Um and Jurassic Park as a as a novel really fueled, you know, was fueled by a lot of those same
0: thoughts. So, so <clears throat> we've got some trivial bits. We have uh, written a couple of things, we've had some mazes. We're taking a break. It's an intense day, man. <laughs> it's an intense night. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> We're gonna We're add, gonna... in fact, throughout the conversation, you're gonna hear... People s- being murdered. People being murdered in just tangentially uh, to us. Right, right. We are we are adjacent to the Bloom House terror maze, which is gonna cover Sinister, The Purge,
1: and Happy Death Day. Which, as of right now, we have not yet done. Maybe that will happen right. soon.
0: If, not. if you're That's sanity, probably. get a handle. It. <laughs> <laughs> All work and no play makes Nathan a dull boy. So <clears throat> I did want to talk a little bit, you know, again we've done Twitter bits, we've done our countdown stuff. So you know, Jurassic Park, like I have such specific memory attached to certain elements of this movie. Like, I mean, just uh 93? 93, 93. Yeah. it's 93. Um
1: the reason I know that so definitively is because I saw it in the movie theater when I was 12 years old. It was, it was one of those defining movie experiences. Sure, sure. So that would have been summer of 93. Um,
0: I have this memory, I guess, so So 93, summer of 93? Yeah. So that would have been our pre-8th grade year? Is that right? I think so. Yeah. Sounds yeah, yeah. about right. Um, I have this memory of going on a school field trip or some sort of field trip. To Atlanta and there is a there is a shopping complex in Atlanta called Underground Atlanta or Atlanta Underground. That that is literally underground. Right. right, really right. And buying the cassette. Oh, of the, of John, uh, the, yes, yes, of the, the I had it too. Of the John Williams score. And like yes. almost almost more than the film itself. that I agree score that. is like the soundtrack to my Kind of eighth grade life. Uh,
1: yeah, I recognize it. Which is it like anywhere.
0: total confession of nerddom, <laughs> if there ever was one. But I, I recognize it as
1: well, um, and it, I can still remember. There were very few soundtracks that I bought the cassette tape of. I got more into soundtracks with the acclamation of CD, right? But but yeah, I I love that score. That score is so iconic. I'll
0: tell you, this there's going to be a little different episode, but I did want to comment on the effects of the film. Yes. And how, like, having having children that are old enough now to consume some of this media, I am re treading through some material. So for instance, like Star Wars, uh, eventually we did get around to the prequel trilogy, which if you recall, Phantom Menace came out in 99? Yeah, it was
1: 99, yeah.
0: So then six years after Jurassic Park, Ostensibly Lucasfilm is meant to be kind of this paragon of digital cinema. Right, right. better Menace effects are garbage today. I don't know if you've Looking watched at them in yeah, any yeah. recent years. Yeah, it's very it easy to see not the wires. Hold up. Yeah. And then you look at 93 Jurassic Park, that stuff holds up.
1: It's seamless. One of the most impressive things to me about it is so there are a total of 15 minutes of dinosaur footage in the film. So it's like a two-hour, seven-minute movie. Of that. You only see dinosaurs for 15 of those minutes. Now, admittedly, nine of those minutes are Stan Winston's animatronic creature events. But six of those minutes are completely computer-generated CGI. Right. right. I dare you, without just practical knowledge of, well, they probably couldn't have done that with an animatronic, I dare you to tell me which is
0: which. Well, to the point, you may have discovered this in your reading, um, the lines, I think, I think Grant says, we're out of a job and Goldblum, uh, Malcolm counters with, uh, yes, extinct, extinct. Right, right. that's actual text that the initial, uh, robotics animator, I, I don't have the names in front of me, but the story, the, not Stan Winston, but someone associated leading that team, Okay. Spielberg basically came to them or, or after a season of working on the effects. was like not achieving what he wanted okay so this was the birth of the digital kind of you know CGI type of experience right Right. well once they started seeing the digital CGI footage come in that is the exchange they had between each other and and, and basically that that animators team had to rise and learn a whole new Wow medium and and so they work that into the actual script so that's pretty cool
1: that is awesome but yeah i'm just
0: so impressed with how well it holds up so i want to do something a little uh i I didn't even give you a heads up of doing this but for this recording yeah i re-watched dress apart with my kids now they had seen it but knowing we're trekking through some material, this, this 90s material, it is very rare for what we watch to be able to intersect with what my kids can watch. Sure, I understand. Jurassic Park fits that bill, so I did watch it with them, and uh. they had some input on some scary scenes, but specifically, I took notes in the watch of things they would say, like, without uh. their knowledge. Like, <laughs> just, sure. just comments, and they're nine and seven um but at the very beginning when uh and, and i've got about half a dozen of these um at the very beginning when the raptors are being um transported sure you know, right right and the attack happens the opening scene yes yes, yeah. yes. which sets the stage so perfectly <laughs> one of them just said i never want to work there ah. just out of nowhere like that's her comment um so tracking through the movie then, when the cow is being lowered in, one of them sweetly asked, "When they filmed this movie, did they actually make a dinosaur eat a cow?" <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "No, you dumb child! No, no, no." no. Um, I call him. I'm going to call him Newman throughout the throughout the conversation. But Nedry, Nedry, right? right. So uh, on Newman, one of them said, "Boy, he definitely doesn't eat healthy." <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. Well, if you recall. Um, late in the film I think it's Grant says something about the raptors if they ever learn to open doors well then immediately you cut to them opening a door well one of the kids as kids do said when it transitions to the raptor moment says speaking of opening doors they're opening doors (laughs) (laughs) I mean just stating clearly what's happening on screen that's awesome Um, immediately after it the other one said Those crazy kids don't even know how to lock a door. (laughs) Like if they locked that kitchen door, none of this would have happened. That's Um, hysterical. The last kind of kid quote I had was, my wife had a moment of kind of uh, exhalation, kind of tension when Lex falls through the vent Mm. with the raptor below. Oh, yes. And one of my kids says, Mommy, you must not be used to horror movies. <laughs> so it was a lot of fun uh, watching that with them. Um, but anyway, so kind of transitioning into our normal kind of likes, dislikes. Uh, as we just alluded to, you cannot talk about this movie and not reference John Williams' score. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. it's just so fantastic. Um, again, my wife watched it. was a family affair when we rewatched this movie. Even she... Uh, she was a, um, gosh, what is the title? She she led, like, the marching band in high school.
1: Oh, my gosh, my wife, too. Um,
0: um, my wife has an association. Drum major. Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. So my
1: wife wasn't the drum major, but um, my wife was in the band, and they did John Williams' score. Well, so she, so
0: she always has an affection for just kind of yeah scores and stuff. And so she, even she commented on the score. It's so wonderful.
1: I mean, Williams... Has made so many iconic scores at this point, but Jurassic Park is just beautiful and wonderful and amazing.
0: Um, I love. I mean, we talked about him at length in The Fly. Jeff Goldblum is so daggone good in this.
1: He is, and he, he, he delivers the right kind of persona. We'll talk a, a little bit more about his character when we get to themes, but he really, for me carries the thematic weight of the film. The comments that he makes, the the observations he makes,
0: but he's such a fun and funny character, too. Um, Well, I like that he's He's snarky and he's witty, but he's not smarmy. Yeah, he's and very. He, and he's clearly flirtatious with her in a way that you're sure. like, I don't know, but it's never inappropriate or yeah, you, yeah, it never it never tips over into now I don't like this character.
1: Right. Yeah. He never gets he never gets uh, unlikable at all. Right. Um, even in his arrogance, you know. Right. Um, yeah, I love Jeff Goldblum. Uh, one thing that I'll say, um, this is a film that. Sometimes it stands out to me in the films that we watch, maybe that's not a good thing, but this is a film that I think does exposition really, really yes. well. Yes. Because they set up in the first 30 minutes of the film, they set up a bunch of things that have later payoffs. I, I made a little list here. Grant's uh, you know, disaffection for or lack of affection for kids, right. which will right. then pay off in right. the, all the time he spends with the kids. Uh, the raptor speech that he gives to the other ones so sets up every that he gives to the little kid oh, yeah, yeah, sets yeah. up everything that we're going to see for the raptors and yeah. their danger and their terror. Um, the mosquito in amber, which right. we later find out that's how they got the dinosaurs to begin with. Call it amber. Uh, the um, the hazards of the dinosaurs. Getting back to that one scene that your you know your daughter never wants to work there. That you know that sets up like oh we're there's going to be trouble they think they can control this but they're not but then even moving on you know the investor has concerns about the park the lawyer has a mission to talk about the safety of the park Uh, Nedry sets up his betrayal all that's the first 30 minutes of the movie but it never feels forced it all feels very organic right and um, and I'm just almost impressed this is why I say maybe some people would say this is a, a knock against the film is it's almost by the numbers but it's by the numbers so fluidly and effectively that I don't, I never mind it.
0: Well, and I think someone might argue that first half hour is a lot of talking heads, and I don't know that I can disagree with them necessarily, except that what it does is, it, it kind of puts all the little pins in place. Right. And then just knocks them over, and you've oh, got yes. this terrific, propulsive, sequence after sequence, starting with, um, and we'll get to some of this later But too, but, uh, once once they stall out in front of the T-Rex pen. Oh, good lord. Like the following half hour, it's yes. just roller coaster, Relentless suspense right, right, for right. 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Yes,
1: yes, uh, absolutely.
0: Um, I wrote down too, like what you just said. I think the script in general is just really strong. There's a oh, lot agree. of really good humor in it. Um, what is interesting, you referenced this a little bit in Trivial Bits, but you didn't actually go where I thought you were gonna go. They, once they optioned the film, they then paid Michael Crichton five hundred grand to, to to work on the script.
1: Oh, nice! Now, I didn't know that. <laughs> it, it went
0: through a couple of evolutions, but he had a lot of hand in where it. it was. So and um, to
1: that point, like I love Michael Crichton's writing. I mentioned that already, but um, I think one of the skills that he has as a writer is making utterly implausible situations seem downright possible right like like this I don't know a lot of the ins and outs of the specifics genetic manipulation how realistic is it that they'd be able to find all these different species in amber right. and mosquitoes and all this other sort of stuff but it's set up in such a way that you take a step back and you go like all right I buy it right like, right. like right. okay I get it you like it's not just magic right it's not it's not just oh yeah we found a way to magically reinstate dinosaurs or everything like he substantiates it that is done way more effectively, even in the in the uh, in the book. In the book, it's substantiated far stronger, even than they do in the film. Uh, like there's pages and pages of extrapolating sure. all these specifics uh, that then Spielberg had the idea to do, just like a little animated right.
0: thing. Right, it's perfect, and it's wonderful. It's yeah, it works it so all well. Does all you need in a way that is. Makes sense in the context of the movie. You're you're yeah. developing this amusement park, you know. Um, I did have the thought though, watching it this time, because uh, you know Hammond, uh, Hammond talks to Hammond there, right? And right. And I right, was right. like, okay, I, I don't care ultimately. But was the idea that Hammond introduces every single ride? Yeah, you know ride, what I mean? Ride, like, right. Um, but yeah, I do think they dispense with a lot of. Exposition in real smart ways that don't weigh things down. I love the dinner scene. Oh, well, yeah. because because I think you know the anim- the animation, your furniture is strong, but the dinner scene is strong too because you're getting a. Um, uh, I, I think it's it's Whedon who talks a lot about you know uh, character. Everything has to be rooted in. A, a worldview. Right. And you get, that's, that's all you're getting in that dining room scene. Sure. Like, right. Of it's, it's exposition heavy. Right. But it is all rooted in perspective. Sure. Individualized of perspective. You know, to the point that I love Hammond's line, you know, um, I was, I'm paraphrasing, I was expecting all of you to be on my side and it's the blood sucking all your Yeah, right, 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 who, right. Who's agreeing with me? You know, yeah. like it's a great scene. Um, you know, so, so yeah. The I love that scene. The exposition is great um you know classics like hold on to your butts um, oh yes did you know there was a uh a, a death scene of Samuel jackson's that was shot and just not i used? didn't know that i didn't stumble across it really uh, it was a, it was in development somewhere did they actually shoot it i can't recall now but um it, it was incorporated somewhere but they didn't they didn't it, didn't, it didn't, clearly didn't make the final
1: that having been said though Almost more than getting his death scene. I love that reveal. The the arm over her shoulder. Right. And then like I love finding out that he's Remind gone me, that way. That? That's Samuel L. Jackson. But that's Laura Dern makes it into the compound. Yeah. And then she 100 percent positive. So she makes it into the compound. She's been running away from those well, raptors. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. She makes it into the compound his arm like falls right. on her shoulder, and she's like, oh, Arnold, and yeah, then when yeah, she turns. I, yeah, I know
0: so, thing. what are you confused about then? I just had no, I had never connected any dots that that's meant to be him. That's the reveal, yeah, because
1: she even says, oh, Mr. Arnold, or she's, I, I forget if she says Mr. Arnold or she says his first name, but
0: that that's him. That's his. Is she company? I guess I'm just confused about where he is in the story. Oh, point, okay, So, so. so
1: After they do the big power turn off. Right. Right. So then he leaves and he says, five minutes, I'll have the whole park up and running. Then he leaves. And then they they have a line where before she goes out to to go after him, he says, well, no, he should, uh, Hammond says, no, he should be back. He's only been gone. And then pauses, realizing, oh crap, he's been gone a long time. Right. And so then, that's why that's why she goes after him. So when when that arm hits her, she's thinking like, right, "Oh, right. there you are." And then so that reveal is better than sure, any death sure. scene,
0: honestly. Um, I, I want to come back to that scene in a minute, but um, I love you know when you got to go, you got to go. Yes. Goldblum. Oh yes. I mean, clever girl is. I mean, that movie's been out twenty years. I I use that line. Absolutely. Multiple times a year yeah. in various contexts. <laughs> you know, it's so portable.
1: And you mentioned it earlier, but hold on to your butts. I still, I yeah, love it. Yeah, yeah. I love it so much. I
0: love, in terms of construction of the visuals of the whole film, I love that in this movie, Chekhov's gun is Goldblum's water cup. Oh,
1: you know, uh, yeah. so,
0: yeah. such an iconic. Sure. That, that's. Something that could have been so throwaway, like oh, yeah, but it's so expertly utilized, yeah. Uh, but, oh, because it's not just that it gets used in T Rex scene, it's the scene of chaos theory, you know, absolutely. And so it's yeah. like, what a great! You could easily have never even seen that cup again. Oh yeah, because it doesn't matter, right? Narratively, right? Until it matters, and you're like, oh wow, that's an awesome visual. And what a brilliant, because it was Spielberg's decision. I don't know if
1: that was in the original script at all, but I know it was specifically Spielberg's decision to do that. And what he had said was, he said he wanted a way for the T. Rex to announce his presence before we see him. Right. And and how brilliant that that whole ripple effect on the water is. It's so wonderful. Well, and I will say this. Did you have any more likes, dislikes before we get into scares? No. Um, So just diving right into scares here. I've seen a ton of horror films. They've racked my nerves. They've caused me to, you know, uh, be unsettled or disturbed or whatever. Top ten, maybe even top five for me, most suspenseful nerve-wracking sequences I have ever seen in any film is the t-rex sequence when they first burst out when the t-rex first bursts out and with the kids in the car right. like the beginning of that the, the beginning with the glass of water right through yeah through the ending of that sequence with grant and the tree and, right, and everything right, right. like that whole thing it's perfect it's one of the yes and it's one of the most suspenseful things i have ever seen in any film i mean i i am a clenched fist through that entire sequence. I mean, it's crazy, it's absolutely crazy.
0: It's funny, uh, I had asked the kids in the watch to alert me uh, to scary scenes. You know, what do you think is scary? Um, they identified the raptor attack in the very beginning. Well, the T-Rex paddock in the rain, one of them just chimes up. Oh, this is one of the scary parts too, Dad. Uh. <laughs> um, the Dilophosaur attack on Nedry, they didn't say anything, but that's when both kids got up on the couch uh. you know, they, they were on sleeping bags on the floor watching it, and that's the scene when... Uh, okay. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but other, other scary scenes... Oh, so I said I wanted to come back to this. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, the initiation of the T-Rex sequence. Uh, the, the sequence of scenes. The T-Rex paddock escape, Nedry getting attacked, the car in the tree, the T-Rex chasing the Jeep. That's oh, yeah. all one long... Run sure. Scene. Oh yeah. And it's, oh yeah. it's, it's fantastic. Oh you yeah. Know? It just keeps going. Very propulsive. But you referenced uh, uh, Laura Dern's moment in the bunker thing. The uh, her reaction to the arm, or yes. no, to the raptor. It's it's maybe a one-two thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ra- the raptor. Well, no, the raptor bursts through. It's it is a one-two thing. She says. Delightfully on the on the radio, Mister Hammond. I think we're in business. And then the raptor bursts through. Right. Right. So she backs up to the wall, away from the raptor,
0: and that's when the arm falls on her. Okay. Well, I think it's. I think. Yeah. I think it's the raptor. When the raptor happens, her response, her her reaction is epic. I mean. Yeah. She, oh yeah. She. You like you feel like it, it's real. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. You almost, I doubt this happened, but you almost get the impression they did not let her know exactly when whatever was gonna happen was gonna happen. Because she leaps yeah. across that tiny room. No joke, and, no and, joke. And, and I mean, that whole little thread uh, of her there, that's that's probably one of the biggest freak out moments for my wife. I remember her responding it was very strong to that. Oh, it's so uh, great. That, that's really all I've got for scares. The, um,
1: the last thing that I'll mention, just because we haven't hit it very heavy, is second place to second place to that um to that t-rex scene is the raptors in the kitchen like at, after you know like oh yeah i mean we've, so re- we've referenced it the locked door the stuff like that but that yeah that whole sequence where they are um, you know the kids are trapped in there and they're gonna I love like when you think the raptor is charging straight oh, yeah. for the oh perfect, and slams into the
0: reflection. It reminds me of a much more concise version of the um, the fake out in Silence of the Lambs. Oh like, yes, You know, yes. I mean, it's 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 different, but it's a very similar kind of feeling. Sure, um, right. So it, that's a great moment.
1: Yeah, I love that sequence. Love that sequence so much. Um, yeah, that's really all I had for scares too. We can we can dive right into uh, right into themes. I really only had one major theme and it's probably anybody who thinks we're going to talk about this film or knows we are, it's its the obvious theme. So I'm going to actually let you um, sort of lead the charge here because my theme is the obvious one, just sort of the hubris over the control of nature, you know, the idea, the false idea that you can... Overpower or overcome natural forces to your own manipulative ends. Right. Um, so that is kind of the on-the-nose theme, but right. I, do, I do have a few things to say about it. But I want to let, let you sort of lead the
0: charge before we land there. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, three things. I guess I'll identify one. I do find it interesting. I love that Hammond is a is a he's a good man, but he's the bad guy. You know what I yes. mean? Like, yeah. like, yeah. You really do kind of feel for him, like,
1: yeah,
0: like. He's a bad,
1: he's not a bad man, he's just a very bad wizard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. But he's just this lovable, grandfatherly, and just kinda, it's interesting, you're used to seeing that character as the, the slick, slimy, rich guy, just exercising his, rich, his, his money. You know, so, but, but when you switch that character around so much, I mean, even moments like when the kids show up first. I mean, sure, It's a right. really lovely moment, very authentic and real, but, but he is definitively the bad guy. Yeah, oh for yeah. For better or worse. Yeah, well, um, the
1: only one that I think gives him a run for his money is Nedry. Sure,
0: So, sure. so, yes, yes, so yes. like,
1: because Nedry is the reason it all goes so among, but yeah, that's, true, that's true. the illusion of control that's perpetuated by Hammond is, because I think that's the thing is, we don't want anything bad to happen to Hammond. Right. Like, you know, you kind of root for this old guy who, yes, has done a an arrogant thing, but like we've already said, like is a good man, has done so like with good intentions. He tells the lawyer like, hey, everybody has a right to enjoy these attractions. Like he genuinely thinks, hey, I've done this amazing, magnificent thing, sort of lacking the awareness of responsibility that would come with such a thing. Uh, Which is another, you know, I mentioned earlier that Ian Malcolm kind of carries the thematic weight. I mean everything everything that he says nearly every line out of his mouth talking about the unpredictable nature of things he gives that discipline speech like you know he says
0: uh the problem with this is it, the you, problem with scientific power on display is it didn't require any discipline to obtain yes you just took That's, the next step and right. That's a great how, line. like we
1: could spend we don't have to but we could spend another 30 minutes right now talking about that that sort of ideology in any context
0: right, right. the idea
1: of like yeah you've got the knowledge and you've got the ability but you didn't earn it Right. Somebody I mean, else earned right, it. Right. You're standing on the backs of that other thing, so you don't take any responsibility right. for it. And
0: I think that's one reason that casting choice is so expert, because you kind of take his presence for granted. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. He's he's the comic relief. He's Goldbloom. He's a little snarky. And then he starts carrying the moral weight right. of the story. It's right. really powerful.
1: Absolutely. Um, the, other, the other thing before yeah. we hop off that is... Um, I love his line, his reference. He's like, "You, you wield this level of power like a kid who's found his dad's gun." Yeah. What a perfect metaphor. Like, like you don't realize the dangerous thing that you are toying with. Right. right now. Right. Right. You have no
0: idea how frivolous you're being with a, a life and death reality. Well, and it's interesting. <sighs> I'll say this line, and then I'll tie it into my kind of final theme before we pick, uh, kick back to yours, but. Another one of his lines that I really loved is, the lack of humility before nature being displayed is staggering. And something I really took away from the film, and I imagine, uh, I I guess some of this is present in the book, but regardless, the the film does it, is you look at, and and this this to me is extremely applicable um, in our kind of faith journey, <laughs> those, those poor people. I know. Those poor idiots. We'll join them. We'll join them, in we'll a few join them Right, right, right. Um, uh, in a faith context, is you got Hammond's desire to harness nature, sure, set against Grant and Ellie's reverence for it, right? And I right. just feel like that's such a lovely, well, it's a it's a fascinating dichotomy. But I really love the performance of Grant and Sadler, of, 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 of Sam Neill and Laura Dern, they just infuse this reverence and awe and wonder and joy even. Sure. And one, they're just lovely characters. Yeah, You just yeah. really love them. Yeah, like, absolutely. Like he's a bit curmudgeonly, but by the end of it, he comes around to that. But even oh, still, and for the moment, yeah. please hold your thought, but for the moment of how about we're
1: immediately on board when she he left us, he left us, he left us, and he looks her right in the eyes and But that's not
0: what I'm gonna what do. I'm gonna do. Right, right,
1: like, right. we already liked him, but now, like, okay, yeah, yeah, Team yeah.
0: Grant all the way. Right. Like, yes. Well, and, and I love their relationship. Like, yeah, yeah. I feel like the movie, it's so easy with movies like this to just really push the most obvious dynamic. And sure. It's really like, make it savvy and sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. But I don't really feel like the movie does that. But you still get the sense of a very extreme affection for each other, uh, respect for each other. Sure. These are intelligent people. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, I, I don't know. I think I think we could learn a lot about not paleontology, but like how those characters are towards each other and the natural world is a really sure. lovely template. Yeah. For. For how we could live our lives. Sure. You know? Oh, I totally agree. So I agree. just really love that juxtaposition. Um, as, you know, one of Grant's final lines in the, in the movie is I hear you, sister. Uh, is to Hammond something to the effect of, We will not be endorsing your park. You oh,
1: know? yeah. Well, and I love Hammond's response, too, because he said, After careful consideration, Mr. Hammond, I've decided not to endorse your park. Hammond then turns around and says, So am I. You know, like, oh, and. I, I neglected to mention this line in likes-dislikes, but another Malcolm gem that I use nearly weekly is when something goes wrong, either at my work or something like that, I will say, even if only in my head, yeah, but when the Pirates of the Caribbean breaks down, the Pirates don't eat the tourists. Right, right, right You know, like, right. I, I, I love that right. so much. Um, to, to kind of, are, are you good with yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, kind of, to kind of retread back briefly into, into what I was scratching at. I said that you know Ian Malcolm carries the thematic weight. I also love his "Life Finds a Way" speech. Yeah, yeah. that's that's brilliant. Uh, I love the payoff to it when Grant finds the eggs and the you know like uh, Malcolm's right, life finds a way. But the anchor for my sort of thematic conversation is the conversation between Dr. Sadler and Hammond about the flea circus. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And her line to him is simply you know because they're talking about illusion. You know, oh, yeah, there were people who were convinced they could really see the fleas and all this other sort of stuff. And and then she says to him, you never had control. That's the illusion. Right. You're thinking that you were in charge of this situation is the illusion that's that's undone you. Right. You know? Right. And it didn't have to be Nedry. It, she doesn't say all this. I'm extrapolating this. It didn't have to be... Nedry, it didn't have to be just, it would have been somebody else, it would have been something else, because, back to Malcolm's quote, life finds a way, it won't be boxed, it won't be packaged, it won't be manipulated, we talked, when we had our alien conversation, we talked about the passage of scripture in Job, where it talks about Leviathan, and hooking Leviathan around the nose, and trying to bring him home like a pet, like, you can't do that, like, that
0: won't work so not and i think to draw a fine line to what you're trying i think you're going to say it's not even that you're not allowed to it's like it will not be tamed exactly your attempt to do it is in your head right you know
1: and i mean we think about this this is not the conversation i want to have but as an exemplar of what we're talking about even the whole subject of like our, our changing climate and the impact of things like floods and hurricanes and fires and all of these different things like the natural world is beyond us right, right we can yes. at minimal right understanding at minimal right let we, we cannot even begin to suspect that like oh we are going to find a way to harness and control this thing right. no it is it is happening and And we have impact or influence on things one way or another, but the idea that we can somehow uh, harness any any element of that is just foolhardy. But I would even say, and we've touched on this several times before in the show, I would just say, too, in general, that the idea that we can control something with impunity is foolhardy in and of itself to to bring in the scripture the scripture that I thought for this comes from the book of James James chapter 4 verses 13 through 14 says this It says come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring what is your life for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes sure thinking of it in this context i love malcolm's speech because hammond says to him like hey we can make a flock of condors on this island and malcolm's like no 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 no, no. these are not animals that were you know made extinct by deforestation or right, the building right, of a dam right. dinosaurs had their chance right, right. and and nature selected them for extinction is this right, quote right. so what i was thinking about in this specific passage of scripture is Yes, we are. I believe we are eternal beings. We are spiritual beings that have a body. That's the framework of my theological understanding. We, you know, we have a body. We are at our core spiritual in nature. But the the temporal element of us, the the tangible flesh and blood time span, um, it has an expiration date. Like, and and thinking about it in the kind of terms of like, there are so many people right now who suffer from the illusion that even of their own life, that they can control what goes on, that they can manipulate the system, that they can uh, basically bend the system to their own wills and means. And I would just say to anybody who believes they can do that, that's folly. You're a mist and a vapor and you're here today and, and chaos theory is almost Biblical right, <laughs> like, right, like right, you, right. that you cannot predict right what will come down the pipeline you do not know what tomorrow holds you do not as James says you do not know what tomorrow will bring you can't say this that or the other in complete confidence because bottom line is you don't know Sure. and the other thing that I would say as a beacon of hope to those who are in distress because of the people Manipulating things and the people manipulating the powers and the principalities as it were take heart because I Believe this deeply You and I talk a lot about we have we are participants we flesh and blood human beings are participants in the good work of the kingdom in this world but we're not the king and never will be. Sure. The king has not been unseated, the king will not be unseated. Those who are in distress because of the manipulations of the system going on, take heart because nothing ever extends too far beyond the king's reach. Sure. And there is not there is not a place or a way in which we can, you know, like Malcolm's jovial jokey speech, you know, uh, God creates man. Yeah, you know, yeah, man yeah. does. I don't remember it all verbatim, Women but he's like the earth. Oh, but but yeah, right, but he. Right, but he, you right, know, yeah. man destroys God. God, or you know, man creates dinosaurs. That whole dinosaurs man, eats man. Right, and then woman inherits the earth. But his statement of man destroys God, man creates dinosaurs, like that element. It's a jokey line, so I'm not going to dive into it. But that element will never happen. Like we will never get to a place to where we've unseated the Lord and the natural world is consistent evidence of that. Like not to say that every act, like what do they call I'm, okay I'm going to make a statement but I'm going to follow it up with something so people know what I'm not saying they call in insurance claims and stuff like that, they call natural disasters acts of God Right. that's the term for it. Now I am not of the opinion as so many, I'll just go ahead and say looney tunes out there, think like Oh, God sent a flood to this right, city right, because right, of the wickedness right. of the city. I disavow any of that. That's not. That's not true. That's not theologically accurate. But that having been said, there's only one being in my theological construct who has utter control over the natural world. Uh, who has utter control over the DNA right, of any right, given right. situation, sure. and that's and that's the Lord. That's the King. So for us to enter into any circumstance, situation, conversation or, um, you know, strategy and thinking that we have ultimate control, it's foolhardy. That passage in James also in conjunction uh, says, you know, we should say we will do such a thing if the Lord wills it. So that's what it's advising you to do. And it's basically, some people use that as a superstitious thing where they're like, well, Lord willing, we will. Lord willing, we will. I feel like they got a knock on wood or something. I don't think that's what the passage is saying. I think the passage is just saying, be mindful that you're not in charge. Sure, sure. So to feel like you can make all the things female or you'll be able to control this situation or that situation, just be mindful, life finds a way. Right. right. And be mindful, it will break out of that box. Right. And you are dealing with forces that you cannot control, cannot fully understand, and at best can, you know, Ex- approach humbly right, right, right. and approach it with some modesty and some humility in the awareness that, hey, I'm a participant in this. Sure. I'm not a manipulator of it. Right. I'm, I'm engaging with it. The, the entire agricultural industry is a participant in nature, in acts of nature. But that's exactly what it is. It's like a partnership. Right. They start getting into manipulative stuff Genetic manipulation, uh, genetically modified foods, whatever, anything like that, go too far down that path. I'm not going to say that, like, oh, I'm not get- having that political conversation. But I will say, go too far down that path or any path like it, and you're you do so at your peril. You do so at at, at great folly because. Too far down that line, and it's just going to be an additional consequence because life finds a way. Right. Um, so that that's that's basically the culmination of what Jurassic Park said to me this time around. And you know, it's a it's an amazingly impressive movie that yeah. continues to hold up. Yeah. It continues to hold up. Did you have anything else you wanted to add specifically, thematically,
0: or or do you? Uh, want to I don't know, I, I had a few sort of uh, half-formed thoughts while you were talking, but. Um, you know, I, I agree with the, the ultimate idea you're going for in terms of challenging Malcolm's line of man kills God, man creates dinosaurs, you know, you, like you made the comment, well that's not going to happen, and again, I understand and don't disagree with the ultimate theological statement you're making. Right, right. I do think, however... And I think you would say this. It is still very much a cautionary tale of, "Hey, we did kill God," <laughs> you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a sort of literal Jesus on the cross kind sure, of way. Sure, sure, yeah. But also, I think what what Malcolm is saying there, and I think what you would echo. But let's 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 apply God in a in a sort of force of nature kind of way. You know, we are we are. We are damaging. We are killing the natural world. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and and I don't know. Uh, you, you you flirted with the, the phrase of climate change, so I'll, I won't I won't travel too far down that road. But uh, I, I think this movie says a lot about about the role we play and the role and, and challenges the role we're choosing to play like sure, are you the Hammond who thinks they can capture lightning in a bottle right right or are you the Grant and Sadler who just say this thing is beautiful and wonderful we should study and love and stand in awe of it those are two diametrically opposed sort of positions Sure. Um, yeah. you know and and yeah, it's a fantastic movie.
1: Yeah, it's it's wonderful. The One one last thing that I was thinking of just as you were talking, and I'm surprised I didn't bring this up earlier, uh, but this is just where the connective tissue made it. The other thing you could almost say is you could go back to Genesis 11 with the Tower of Babel. And, you know, the Tower of Babel story, God comes down and confuses the languages, and he's often referred to as sort of petty in that moment, but you could almost look at it as a kind of grace. Right, Like, right. Like, hey... These are not the people we want to be able to accomplish anything they want to accomplish because they do that they could do so by destroying themselves or sure. they could uh, they could ultimately undo or unseat their own their own being their own personhood. Right. Um, and so yeah, I, uh, I I do think that yeah I do think that there's a lot of wisdom in simply just recognizing your role in the world in both directions, recognizing what you are called to do and can do. But at the same time, recognizing your limits, right, recognizing right, the right. this far no further of your power and control and ability. Don't don't be so focused on whether or not you can that you don't ask whether or not you should. There you go. There you go. it is. Yeah, I mean it's true. It had to it had to show up. <laughs> Thank you for bringing it back in. So, but you know, so you know what I think we should do. What? Before we bring in our our David S. Pumpkins, we're here at Universal Studios. You wanna go ride Jurassic Park? Let's go ride Jurassic Park. Let's go ride Jurassic Park. All right, so we'll see you then, guys. (laughs) So, I think it's time to bring in our old friend, David S. Pumpkins. Yeah? And we
0: are about to... This is fun. This is a perfect moment.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because we are about to get on Jurassic Park, the ride. Jurassic Park in the dark, which is uh, pretty terrifying. I'm hoping we don't get too wet. So, alright, as uh, as we say, uh, we rate every film on a metric of style. Scares and substance, Funny, we which we then aggregate to a full we number chass, for number of David S. Pumpkins. So, Nathan. Yeah. For Jurassic Park. Yeah. In the realm of style,
0: what would you give
1: out of five David S. Pumpkins?
0: Uh, for style, I would give a five. Um, th- I, I just—it's—it's it's got such a nostalgia factor, but even that is not. A primary like sure. it holds up. Um, the score is oh, the score is magnificent, like, wonderful. Yes. Um, <clears throat> it would it would close in on a five on almost the score alone, uh, but the 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 visuals hold up. Um, I mentioned earlier how impressive it is that twenty years on, the visuals hold up. Oh yeah, the I CGI mean you know like yeah. like there's a little bit of datedness to it, but compared to other CG heavy films of that era. Oh, yeah. um, it's great. So I would, I would give it a five. Mm-hmm. in The style. Awesome. Um, for
1: me, it's going to be probably a four point five. Um, I feel like the only thing that sort of dings it down a little bit is it's a formula that works, but I feel like it does sort of follow a formula, uh-huh. um, especially as I mentioned in regards to the exposition, which works really, really well. I've no complaints, but. The formulaic nature of it, I think, dings it down like a half point for me. But, yeah, still a solid 4.5 for me for styles. For scares, um, I'm going to give this one uh, a 4.5 as well because wow. it's not the right. kind of thing that I think would give you nightmares. It's not going to give you necessarily but nightmares. Exists. But it is so intense. Like I mentioned, that T-Rex scene, you know, the, like one of the scariest things I've ever seen in film. So, for me, 4.5.
0: Um, I think on my own being twenty years removed from it might be like a three and a half, but the experience of enjoying it with my kids. Sure and for yeah. them, they they would it's the scariest thing they've seen and so I, I I will happily make it a four just knowing their experience of it. And like like you mentioned, I believe you're referring to the um introduction of the t-rex is that what you're talking about the t Rex scene. oh yeah the first t-rex scene in the car well well and um that sequence uh just is unrelenting i mean once that starts it's kind of full throttle for a good almost 30 minutes or so
1: oh yeah no Um, question
0: (laughs) so yeah i would give it i'll give it a four for stairs awesome um
1: for substance i mean we already talked about the you know the, the notions of control the notions of you know hubris over the power over nature etc um so so for me but you know a lot of what we did i think is just something as usually happens it's just something that we brought to it so for me for substance i'm gonna land on a four
0: cool yeah it's interesting like and i don't i don't in the rear view consider it a sort of substance type of movie Right, right but it really i mean it's maybe in a popcorn fashion but it does ask a lot of really good questions. Sure, it you know, sort of invites that kind of conversation. Um, and and almost kind of settles on a res- uh, a, a, a of answering the question too. Yeah, know? yeah, um, no, joke, so no joke. I think for substance I would I would be okay with probably let's I'll, I'll say a 4. 4? Okay. I just love this movie, so
1: <laughs> it's 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 really great. Um, so you know, no surprise here. This is the uh, standard rating for our hashtag I Love the Nineties Films. Um, but slightly an uptick, we give Jurassic Park officially Fear of God David S. Pumpkins' ratings, eight and a half out of ten. I can David that. S. Pumpkins. I, I think that's that. very worthy. Um, I, this was just an utter delight. The fact that this film made the top ten gives us a perfect excuse to talk about it. Uh, we hope the listeners have enjoyed it, and now you know. You're about to experience it real time. You know no. anything about this ride?
0: No. Oh, man.
1: I'm not going to tell you anything. I will share one anecdotal
0: story as we near the, At sort least of, the. I've heard of the Halloween Horror Nights version, they actually do eat a person.
1: Yes. Off yes, the that, boat. Ha- that, that happens. Right. That happens. It might be you. I mean, we don't know. Clever we, girl. That's we don't all know. I, gotta say. <laughs> um, I will tell one funny story about this ride. So, I have duped my sister, my father, and my mother into going on this ride. Not. Them not knowing the scares that awaited them oh, on boy. the ride. Um, so. my sister, you know, was very upset, uh, oh. <laughs> and, and I think my wife has not quite forgiven me for wow. for okay. that. Wow, well, um, here we go.
0: But uh, but Screw you read.
1: <laughs> so uh, but you know, as we're getting onto the ride, we just want to let you know, uh, you know, of course that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but. Not the end of the conversation. It is not uh, if you want to continue the conversation with us, you can do so in a variety of ways. Easiest and best way is probably through Twitter. Nathan, what's our Twitter handle?
0: Um, at the Fear of God.
1: You can also like us on Facebook, follow us there. You can comment on our posts or post there yourself. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Reed Lackey. Nathan, where can they find you on Twitter besides the Fear of God?
0: At the Nathan Rouse. And, the USA. Uh,
1: yes. And uh, as opposed to Nathan Ralph.
0: Right, which, right, which right. We know. right.
1: Um, but uh, you can also go to morethanonelesson.com, leave a comment on this post or any of the other posts that we have there for our official episodes. You can email us, fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. You can also, if you listen to us through iTunes, we would love to, to have a review from you. Uh, and Nathan, just thanks so much for, for being here. I know yeah. this has taken a psychological it's toll. It's
0: intense. It's and, intense. And, what the listeners have to look forward to is another whole installment next week from Halloween Horror Nights in oh. Universal California. No kidding. Uh, when we discuss our penultimate hashtag I Love the '90s uh, film number two on the list.
1: I can't wait. I can't wait. So exciting. So, uh, so yeah, we'll, uh, we'll
0: stream see. you next time. <laughs> <laughs> All right,
1: ladies and gentlemen. So hold on to your butts. Uh, here we go. Nice. We'll see you next time.
0: See you guys.